discover that David has not been sent by Saul. He's not on a mission, uh, be it a secret mission or anything else. Uh, so he's not on a mission. He's not been sent by Saul. It's not a secret mission. And the men he refers to in the place where he's going to meet them does not exist because he's made it up. He's telling lies. So he's our first liar. Um, he, he is hungry. He does need a weapon. And he does receive uh, the sword that he took from Goliath. Um, which may have reminded David, perhaps it didn't in his circumstances, we might say, what has happened to David? Just, just to recall the words that David spoke when, he, when Goliath was taunting uh, the army of Israel. These are the words of David. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. To Goliath, he says, you come against me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. This is also the man um, uh, who God says to Samuel, when Samuel is looking for the next king, that David is the, is the man because he is a man after God's own heart. Right, now this is interesting, isn't it? David is a man after God's own heart, and yet he's a liar. And then he becomes later an adulterer with Bathsheba. And when she becomes pregnant, he becomes a deceiver in um, getting Uriah the Hittite to be placed where the battle is fiercest and so Uriah is killed. And in fact, that's the responsibility of David. And this is a man after God's own heart, liar, adulterer, murderer. And then you have people like uh, Noah who gets drunk and curses one of his sons. You have um, Jonah, who is completely disobedient and is told to go to Nineveh and goes in exactly the opposite direction. You have Moses, who's also a murderer. Uh, you have Joseph, who's terribly conceited and belittles his brothers. And you have Paul, who breathes out murderous threats against the people of the way. So they're a bit of a motley crew, as we might say, on this warm summer evening. A bit of a motley crew. Um, Paul, in Romans 7, says, I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Uh, so the people of the Bible are 
dare I say it, a bit like you and me. I'm not accusing anyone of being a murderer or anything like that, but then you may have had murderous thoughts about people. Um, and uh, some of these things you may find applicable to yourself. Um, but I'm speaking to people who know Jesus and who follow him. Um, that's the way Paul finishes that passage. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, the person who has delivered him from those murderous thoughts and all that he was, which was wrong, is Jesus. Jesus is his redeemer. And I'm talking to people who have been redeemed by Jesus on the cross and given newness of life. The old person has gone, the new person has come. You are a new person in Jesus. However, I would just want to ask, is there any area in your life where, if you apply this to yourself, where you think there is there's no hope of me doing such and such. Mature Christians that you are, are there areas of your life where you think there's no hope of me doing this? There's no hope of me being like so-and-so. There's no hope of me witnessing to my neighbours. There's no hope of me ever leading a youth club. No hope of me ever praying aloud. There's no hope of me ever laying hands on someone and they get healed. There's no hope of me being healed. There's no hope of God using me any more than he's used me up to now. And you've taken a pencil, a pen and a ruler and you've ruled off in your Christian life. You've ruled off. You've either done it consciously or unconsciously. You've ruled off your life and you've said, that's it now. That's where I am. That's what I do. That's what I'm like. I go no further. So I want to challenge you wonderful people this evening with two things, and this is the first one. Where are you applying the words no hope to your life? Because when you think of those ragged lot those wretched people in the Bible. Noah built the ark. Joseph was, at, was used to feed millions of people. Um, Paul wrote a significant amount of the New Testament. I didn't me mention Abraham, did I, who lied about his wife, uh, passing her off as his sister. Imagine that. Um, and he is the father, he's an honoured father, but then he's the father of many nations. Right, you've got you know, Joseph feeds uh, thousands of people. And then David, of course. Jesus is of David's line. So God has taken these ragged lot, these wretched people, and he has done amazing things through him, through them. And we are here this evening celebrating the fact that we are part of the kingdom of God. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are kingdom of God people. 
That means we're people who go beyond the line that we have drawn about our Christian lives. And my prayer for you this evening, and my, my challenge to you this evening, is to rub out the line you may have drawn, and in so doing, saying, Lord, I'm willing, you to, um, I'm willing for you to do whatever you want to do in my life, no matter how much I've done up to now. This, I think, is part of God's word this evening. There's another part which may be even more challenging. And the door is locked. Right. Where is the Lord challenging? Where is the Lord saying, yeah, but I want you to do this. And you've been saying, there's no hope of me doing that. In spite of being redeemed, you have labelled yourself as a no-hoper. So that is something for you to contemplate about your life. As I speak to you, where is God laying his finger? What part of your life is God laying his finger on? And perhaps saying to you, remember X months ago, you, you thought to yourself, I wish, I wish I could, blah de blah de blah Or perhaps it was five years ago. Or perhaps it was when you were a teenager. Some of us are still teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, you've got it all before you. Isn't that exciting? Say <laughs> so after me, it is exciting. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. It is exciting. I mean, it's exciting, isn't it, that you're going to get a new vicar. Joan and I prayed this morning for you, and we continue to pray for you, for St. Stephen's, and I choose my words carefully here, that you get the vicar you deserve. <laughs> Which means it's someone who's super-duper a brilliant ace. Right? That's what we're praying, Joan and me, for you. Because that's what you deserve. So that's the first challenge. And so we're just going to pause for a moment, just for a few, few moments, and um, I'm going to pray for you now. All right? So you close your eyes, keep your eyes open, whichever you want. Lord Jesus, you... You are just marvellous. Jesus, you come to us in your, in your presence. And you come alongside us. And this evening, I have a sense, Lord, that you want to say to your people here, come on. There's something more I want you to do there's that aspect of your life which even as George has been speaking, you've been mindful of. And I've given the words to George because I want to speak them to you. And I want you, by the time you leave here this evening, I want you to have decided to follow me some more 
to once again trust me with yourself. And I want to show you what wonderful things I still want to do in your life. As I was with Moses, with Abraham, with Noah, with Paul, with David, even though they messed up, I was with them. As I was with them, I am now here and now with you this evening. And I want to lead you on for you to do amazing things in my name to extend my kingdom. Amen. Now then, the last part. Um, I'd like you to think just for a few moments now, if you would. Who are the people that you have met, who you know, who you have labelled as no-hopers? Uh, it may be neighbours, it may be members of this church, it may be uh, family members, uh, people you work with, uh, friends, acquaintances you've had recently for a long time, pen pal, whoever. Who are the people, and you may not have realised it till this moment, who are the people you've labelled as a no-hoper? There's no hope of them ever becoming a Christian. There's no hope of them ever being redeemed by Jesus. There's no hope. So if you'd have known David or Noah or Peter or Joseph or any of that crew, uh, Paul, and you saw what he did, you'd have said there's no hope for them. Um, we've lived in our home uh, coming up for nine years. Uh, we lived next door to a family who I had labelled as no-hopers. Um, it's a single-parent family with uh, two grown uh, children uh, in their late 20s and 30s. Um, there have been difficulties we've had with our neighbours. Uh, uh, they didn't have any dogs when we arrived. And now they've either got five or six dogs, and occasionally they have seven. Uh, and there's been other problems with them, right? Um, but along the way, every now and then, uh, I've had a conversation about uh, what they believe. And the daughter... Uh, this year has been diagnosed with MS. She's 28. Um, and so she's on, we have a healing prayer group on a Thursday morning at 8 o'clock. She's on that list. I've shown her the list. She and her mum and her brother know that we're praying for her. We've also prayed for the mums, her mum and dad. One has dementia, the other one had, has cancer. We've prayed for them. Uh, and they know that. 
And a little while ago, uh, our neighbour, uh, Tracy, um, she had a, a rash on her neck and down her arms. And we were talking over the garden fence and I saw this rash and said to her, um, uh, that looks uh, a nasty rash sort of thing. Uh, are you receiving treatment for it? She said, yes. Uh, she had some cream from the doctor and she'd also been to the hospital. Um, I have to tell you that Tracy is profoundly deaf. Um, so I said to her, can I pray for you in the name of Jesus for you to be healed? And she said, yes. Now, when you're praying with someone who's totally deaf, it's not a good idea to say, shall we close our eyes? So our conversation was eyeball to eyeball sort of thing. So I prayed, uh, Tracy, in the name of Jesus, I pray for him to heal you of this rash. Uh, simple words like that. Um, and then I didn't see her for about two weeks. So when I next saw her, the rash had gone. So I said, right, your rash has gone. Yes. I said, did you go back to the doctor? No. Did you go back to the hospital? No. Do you believe God has healed you? Yes. Oh, isn't that good? So I had a conversation recently with her son. Who's a, he's calmed down now, but he has been a bit of a tear away. There were police calling at the house when we first moved in. Bit of a tear away. So we were having a conversation about his lifestyle. I won't go into those details, but he, he puts David in the shade. I'll, I'll just say that. Um, we talked about his lifestyle. And then at, uh, at the end of our conversation, I, I said to him, um, you know we're praying for your sister in our church. I prayed for your mum with the rash and she was healed of that. What can I pray for you? And he said, nothing. He said, if I was to die tomorrow, I've had a wonderful life, a full life. I'd be very happy about that. So I said, is there anything impossible you're facing? No, no, not at all. There was nothing to pray about. And um, then he said, oh, it, my right shoulder. Um, I hurt it in a fight at Christmas. So I said, okay, we'll pray for your right shoulder. Um, and I said to him, when I prayed with your mum, you know, it was eyeball to eyeball, so we'll pray in the same way. So I, I pray with this lad with a, a half a Mohican and tattoos all over his body. Um, and eyeball to eyeball prayed that he would be healed in the name of Jesus. And I, I did say at one point, um, um, you know, Jesus, that Matt is a bit of a rascal. Um, and you know, uh, I said to him, and Jesus died for you, and the pain on the cross was much more severe than the pain you're experiencing in your shoulder, which wasn't exactly the most compassionate thing to do. Um, and, I, and I prayed for him to be healed. Now, I can't tell you that he's been healed because I haven't seen him. But what did happen, when I, at the end of the prayer, I said, Amen, Matt said, Amen, and then he said, Nice one. Thanks. And off he went. So we're now praying more for our neighbours come to know Jesus and we've been praying for our neighbours for some time so I stood on the on the pavement recently with a another neighbour whose wife has died been married for uh, 68 years and there on the pavement I said can I pray for you and it was like what now here yes here and now so I prayed with him and then other neighbours um, asked if I would go and pray with a relative who was dying 
So here, now you, I've, I've done my bit of babbling there. Who are your no-hopers? Okay? Who are your no-hopers? Who have you labelled as a no-hoper? And will you now, as from today, if you haven't started already, will you pray for them, please? Will you not only pray for them, but if the opportunity is given to you, will you talk about Jesus to them? In a very natural way, without you know, any Bible bashing or putting any burdens on them, tell them they're dirty, rotten sinners or anything like that. But just witness to them in a simple way. Even if it's, I'll pray for you. You know. Okay, so here's, here's, here's the last challenge. If you have identified a no-hoper, I would like to pray for you in that regard. But as you are not going to need a little bit of boldness, we're going to start now, and I'm going to ask you to stand if you would like me to pray for you, for you to have contact with whoever the no-hoper or hopers are. Do, do, am I saying that clearly enough? Have we got that clear? So if you would like me to pray for you, would you stand? Don't feel under any compulsion. It's okay to remain seated. Right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for all of your people here. And I pray now for each one who is seeking to witness to you, to people who they have previously labelled as no-hopers. And I, I ask you, Lord, to give them opportunities to share their faith in a natural and yet supernatural way. And I pray for them, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, upon these people. Empower them. Give them the words of Jesus to speak. Give them the heart of Jesus to feel. Give them the mind of Jesus to understand. And I pray within this coming week, Lord, I would ask that they will have a God-given opportunity with a person or persons who they've labelled as no-hopers so that they, they have now become someone in whom they are placing the hope of Jesus, the Jesus who loves those people. Amen. Please be seated. I just want to read one last thing to you, one paragraph. Um, this is a book by Mark Bradford, who is the new vicar of St. Cuthbert's Fulwood. These are the words of William Booth, which Mark quotes right at the end of his, of his book. And um, something that um, Stephanie referred to uh, in, in drawing us, I think, to the time of confession, uh, there was like um, a reference to John 3.16, that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish. There are people out there who are perishing. They are the no-hopers. This is what William Booth said. It's quite challenging to all of us this, I warn you. 
You have enjoyed yourself in Christianity long enough. (laughs) You have had pleasant feelings, pleasant songs, pleasant meetings and pleasant prospects. There has been much of human happiness, much clapping of hands and shouting of praises, very much of heaven on earth. Now then, go to God and tell him you are prepared as much as necessary to turn your back upon it all and that you are willing to spend the rest of your days struggling in the midst of these perishing multitudes, whatever it may cost you. Amen.